everyone, and welcome back to the Rewatchman, where we don't review movies, we re-review them. I am TCD Witt, with me as always, my esteemed co-host, Benjamin Toe. Hello, Ben. Hello, TC. Today we are looking back at Rumble in the Bronx, 1996, directed by Stanley Tong, starring Hong Kong's Tom Cruise. Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ben, good to be back. How, good, how are you? Good to be back in the good. same room, reading the same air with you, sir. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Rumble in the Bronx. When's the last time you saw this? Have you seen this before? I've seen this before, and I don't remember it being this insane, but I remember watching it probably around the mid-90s when it came out. I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen this whole movie before, cause there was, yeah. I, or I just don't remember it very well. In '96, it's definitely oh. one of those that plays on TNT all the time. That's probably where I saw it. I can really remember the the preview. I remember like when it came out, people being like shocked that it was not in English. <laughs> it was in English, but it was a dub. Right, hold on a second. Technical difficulties here for a second. Hi oh. I just have my headpiece falling too much. I will cut all this. Okay. All right. Um. I remember the preview. I remember like the the moment where he like goes up the the fence when the car hits it. I remember the Are you okay? No. <laughs> I, remember, I remember the hovercraft moment. That beyond that, I did not remember any of this. Yes. This movie is ridiculous. It's pure insanity. Just unadulterated, unfiltered. <laughs> this is like the, it. I mean, on, on on IMDb they do call it an action comedy. Yeah. And it, I don't know if it's sometimes is it deliberately comedic hmm. or is it just bad <laughs> right like yeah some of these line deliveries you said it best they're room-esque they are they <laughs> they come out of nowhere <laughs> like the whole like can i get one ice cream please sure <laughs> can i have, that, can i have one ice cream please that reminds me of the part in the room where he's like can i have ten thousand roses sure eighteen dollars <laughs> <laughs> some of these line deliveries are so insane and what's this movie about What's this movie about, Ben? Well, at its heart, TC, it's just a normal guy in a new city trying mm-hmm. to help his uncle start up his grocery business. Getting getting attacked by the gang from the Michael Jackson bad music video. <laughs> and then the mafia syndicate. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle, the diamond smuggling, diamond thief, mafioso. Yeah. This movie makes no sense. It's crazy because that... That plot thread doesn't come in until the top of the third act. Yeah, it's like suddenly he's being, like, they're faking being the FBI. The ch- okay, so Jackie comes from Hong Kong mm-hmm. to for his uncle's wedding. Mm-hmm. To uncle, Uncle Bill. Uncle Bill, <laughs> who is the most stereotypical uncle ever. Apparently he's wearing <laughs> standard uncle clothes. Windbreaker, uh, slacks. <laughs> And it might as well have his hands behind his back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he he comes comes into town to, for his uncle's wedding. Then when his uncle goes on the honeymoon, oh, his uncle just sold his store too. Oh yeah, that's right. To uh, Anita Mui, uh, I believe Elena in the film. Yeah, mm-hmm. Elena. And 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 Jackie decides to stick around to help her out. She's in way over her head. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> she just that her poor store gets destroyed three times. <laughs> Seriously, three times, because the first time when she's like, you need to pay for this, they, yeah. they trash it. Mm-hmm. And then when they come back looking for Jackie, they trash it. Yeah. And then when the mafioso, they attach all the tow truck cables to it and pull the whole thing down. <laughs> 
While she was on the john. While she was on the toilet. <laughs> and so then Jackie sticks around to help her, which seems like a budding romance. Yeah. But then what happens next? He never materialized. Well, he ran into someone younger. Yeah, she's 21. <laughs> she's 21, and she's pretty. And she's very pretty. But not right now. <laughs> <laughs> One of the best delivered lines by Danny, the little kid in the wheelchair. <laughs> Have you met my sister? She's 21 and very pretty. <laughs> Why was every line delivered so irritating? <laughs> it's, the strangest thing is that I think this entire audio track yeah. to an animated film would have been easily forgiven. Yeah. I think if this was an anime, you could take the exact audio track that exists mm. and animate to it, and you'd forgive every poor line delivery. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what, maybe, just thinking of, like, the Miyazaki translations. We watched the dub. I know some people would be mad at us for doing that. There does exist a, ver- a release of this movie with er- with all the proper languages. Mm-hmm. Everyone spoke their native tongue in this. Yeah. So all the Americans spoke English, all the all the Cantonese spoke, uh, all the, uh, the uh, Hong Kong people spoke Cantonese. Mm-hmm. Um, the, everyone was speaking, so there is a, a version of this where it's, everyone's just, the original audio track. Yeah. Because they dubbed everybody (laughs) even the english speakers Mm. who are saying they're just redubbed their lines with maybe they did it again themselves but if this were an animated film all that would be forgiven yeah um i think of the miyazaki dubs with uh the studio ghibli movies they they have to just fit all the translated dialogue into the mouth moving Mm. so sometimes you do you do get lines of dialogue that come out really fast (laughs) (laughs) Um, and that's what this this was like listening to an anime. Yeah. But if you'd animated it, you'd miss all Jackie Chan's greatness. I know. He's it's... the best. He's so good. He yeah. re- he truly makes the film. I mean, like, there there's some great entertainment value to how bad the film is. Because I, <laughs> I truly I think they honestly were trying to make a good film. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, yeah. they're calling it a comedy. Yeah. And though there are comedic moments, I think the majority of the funny in this yeah. is for how terrible it is. <laughs> Everybody everybody moves and talks like they're in the middle of an action sequence. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to pick up this soda. <laughs> and it's so great, too, because it's not like... the There's a very different quality to the dubbing as opposed to, like, a 70s Shaw Brothers film. Yeah. Because there was moments in a Shaw Brothers film where their mouths would move and you wouldn't hear anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But this is just... There's just some... There's, like, a really great heightened sense of realism to this where it's, like, <laughs> so cartoony and so over the top that you can't help but laugh it's right. just incredible <laughs> but, but oftentimes probably not deliberately not deliberate at all I, I honestly think they were trying to make heat <laughs> <laughs> they probably can't Simon Tong probably came in and was like we're gonna you see you remember heat guys we're, we're, gonna, heat? we're gonna do we're heat. gonna do heat we're gonna do heat for China China heat China, right China heat that's what the name <laughs> of the movie's gonna be <laughs> but everything every time I see Jackie on screen though I'm, I am inspired the man is he cranks it to 11 every single time. Doesn't take a take off at all. Um, I bet, like, I mean, I'm just thinking, looking at the bloopers and seeing how many times he gets hurt. Like, that's time he has to, he probably has to take time to recuperate. Yeah. So, I bet these shoot schedules actually are extremely long. And um, and I was watching, like, an essay on his, how he choreographs, like, fight scenes and stuff like mm-hmm. that. He averages on, like, 100 to 200 takes per, like, fight sequence yeah so, well in in yeah. the hong kong film market there's no limit to how many times they can do a take yeah you just get it till you get it right in mm-hmm. american market if you look at his american films there's an amazing film a video essay by tony um Zap. from uh, from uh, every frame of painting yeah. 
about how Jackie Chan makes movies. And in America, you can't do 120 takes to get it right. Only only Kubrick can do that. <laughs> um, but little little uh, insights on the the warehouse fight scene, um, which is uh, uh, the warehouse fight scene took 20 days to film because Jackie Chan had to teach the local stunt players how to fight Hong Kong style. Ah, and that fight scene. Sorry, my my bet would be Jackie directed that. Because Jackie is, technically does direct his own films when you look at the, the 130 plus films that he's made yeah. over his career. He's he's directing the action sequences. It's yeah. his movie. Even when Brett Ratner's direct, the director for Rush Hour, mm. that's Jackie Chan's movie. Yeah. He's the one making those movies come to life. Very fascinating because like, the, the Hong Kong film market, like the action stars like Jet Li, Jackie Chan, and Donnie Yen, they have so much control over the fight scenes. Like The director title is almost like a vanity title. Yeah. Yeah, and so... Um, well, the, man, yeah, you just that fight, that warehouse fight was so breathtaking because it's so like r- there's so much rhythm to it. Yeah, like there's no cuts. It's like wide angle, like long takes, and it's I don't know, you you don't see that anymore. No, no, yeah. it, it it though it is is humorous. Like watching a fight with all the refrigerators. Yeah, that was amazing. Was, that was yeah. so inspired and fun and a, a, an incredibly cool fight sequence yeah the pinball machine when he's up when it starts up on the pool table that's the least interesting fight Mm. because there are a bunch of cuts because that actor he was fighting probably couldn't fight as well as the stunt team yeah once it got into the stunts and the pinball game and the and the refrigerators and the shopping cart Mm. and over the fence like all that when he has the the hockey stick looking thing and yeah fantastic like that's 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 why you watch jackie chan movies for moments like that it's that, incredible that he tells the story through his body. The man's mm-hmm. a cinema savant, and I think we just, I don't know, I, it's its easy to look down on a movie like this because it's so silly. Yeah. But there's incredible artistry in that sequence, in all the sequences where he's, like, maneuvering through the tightest holes or, like, um, using ski poles to <laughs> knock bad guys out. It's just very inventive and very, Get, just, like, very imaginative. Getting run over by a hovercraft. <laughs> hovercraft! <laughs> <laughs> There's a moment where a, a, a metal band is playing in the middle of a street like, Don't a, ask why. A, fe- like a festival or something, <laughs> and the hovercraft is running rampant through the city, and the and the, sing- the drummer looks up and go- points and goes, hovercraft! <laughs> and then everyone scatters. Oh, God. The... <laughs> It's ridiculous, but the uh, the other great moment um, when he jumped from the rooftop of the parking garage onto the fire escape. Yeah, they showed it from four angles. They must have did it. So I looked. They did one take of it. Yeah, and he just got it on the first take, and they're like, "We got it," because that stunt where he jumped from, he couldn't see where he was landing. Yeah, so he was jumping blind. Yeah. Now Stanley Tong, who directed it, as is tradition with Hong Kong films, directors will do the stunts first. Before any actor or stunt performer will do a stunt, mm. the directors will do it first to show the safety of it or to show that it's possible yeah. to put their lives at risk before anyone else's. Mm. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. So he did it first, uh, and they did it with a harness. Mm. And he's like, nope, we can't do it with a harness. It doesn't work. We have to do it without the, without the harness. <laughs> you must make the climb, but the rope. <laughs> that so was, that's... It was very reminiscent of... Because well, I was watching the making of... Um, the original police story actually do you remember ah. the sequence when he jumps on it's in the shopping mall he jumps from like the fourth floor or whatever and there's this kind of long metal pole that goes that spirals down and there's a bunch of like hanging lights the lights on it yes yes, yes. and he yes. falls through glass in yeah. the middle of it yeah that was done through one take too and they did it with like 
10 cameras rolling oh man and it was all on film and they had like 300 feet of film at the time and mm-hmm. so they could only do in one take as well man it's just like there, how do you practice for that <laughs> you can't <laughs> i don't know but we we've talked about the the hong kong and the asian cinema uh how they do think we back when we did hard boiled yeah i mean that has one of the most epic scenes ever where they trash the the hospital in one take yeah one floor twice like that whole sequence is insane there's though this movie is ridiculous mm-hmm. though rumble in the bronx is silly and <laughs> laughably bad it makes zero sense <laughs> it's really good like yeah. this was fun to watch with you like it was fun to sit here and and just accept this ridiculousness <laughs> and enjoy jackie chan just doing his thing this was his first american uh, the this is what drew attention to jackie chan yeah it was definitely his I would consider it as like a his first official coming out party because I think this is his third attempt to mm-hmm. kind of import something. Well, actually, the first two were American made, and he was so frustrated that he went back to Hong Kong and was like, "I'm gonna go back and hone my craft where I can actually have creative control." Yeah, because the first two were uh, Big Brawl and The Protector, I believe, mm-hmm. and they're both like R-rated and very like not Jackie's style at all. It was very like dark and grim, and like he's like, "This is this is not me at all." It totally stripped him of his not only his agency but like his artistry as well as um as 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 a filmmaker so it's nice that he he went back and like you know it's it's such a great story his personal story because he was 42 when he made this yeah just goes to show never give up you know it's he is he's he does have over 130 films on his imdb credits as just actor and performer but he is an inspiration i've i've always been fascinated by his life story the fact that he's an opera singer the fact that he is so determinedly He's so determined to do everything he can for his art, and he loves every minute of it. Yeah. To to think of him in a serious role, mm, uh, that's not fair because he has done some very good dramatic performances, but a, a gritty American, like that's not Jake. Jake has fun. Like his yeah. in, one of his inspirations is Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton. Yeah. Like he loves physical humor and 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 he performs with his body as well as his face and his expression and and to get to see him have such a great time to bring such joy to what he's doing yeah. in crazy action sequences it's great like I, I i hope he continues to make movies for for years to come he's he's getting up there now what he's he's 60 something yeah um you saw the foreigner right the his most recent release as of recording this episode <laughs> it's out right now pierce brosnan and jake chan right Directed by Martin Campbell. Uh, Martin Campbell of Casino Royale yeah. and Green Lantern. Um, <laughs> how does how does a modern American Jackie Chan film like mm. The Foreigner compare to something like this, where he's, I guess, younger? Yeah. <laughs> uh, his his earlier in his American release career. Mm. Um, how does The Foreigner shape up to that? Yeah, I think. Well, I'll just I'll just say off the bat that The Foreigner itself was not a great film. Mm-hmm. But I did like seeing Jackie flex different muscles because I think that's another underrated aspect of his performance is actually like his ability to act yeah. and emote. And I think he can do more than just be silly. Um, and it goes to show, like, because I think I remember us talking about the Karate Kid. The, yes. Uh, yes. The reboot. And um, one of like the things that really stuck with me, and as I think about it more, I've come like down from my high and, and <laughs> like it less. Yeah, I'm sure Jaden Smith didn't help me. <laughs> I just generally existing as just a human being. being. Jaden Smith. <laughs> <laughs> but for Jackie. But for Jackie, like his his storyline about his family and how like they got hurt or they got killed in the car accident, mm-hmm. 
and he would rebuild this old classic car every year and on the death on the anniversary of their deaths he would just get drunk and just destroy this car with his bare hands like that's that's deep yeah that's it's like a set it's like a totally different movie <laughs> it does not belong in the karate kid but like that's when i kind of like was put on notice like hey you know maybe jackie's on to something he yeah. he he appreciates the the great uh, he gives everything to his roles even in something like karate kid now yeah. pat marina who was the in the original karate kid was nominated for best supporting actor for yeah. his performance in Did the karate kid year? i i don't i'm sorry i don't yeah. know off the top of my head if he won that year but he uh, pat marina's character mr miyagi yeah is the karate kid yeah like the, he's the title character mm-hmm. and Jackie Chan brought that into this very Americanized, updated, rebooted, wrong country. <laughs> Should have been the Kung Fu Kid, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he he brought everything to the role. Yeah. Um, he grounded it a lot emotionally. When you, I remember back when that came out and you reviewed it and you're like, "It's so good, so good." I was like, "Really bad." <laughs> was it though? <laughs> I think it took me a year before I finally sat down and watched it. Yeah. And though that movie is just another dumb attempt at rebooting. Jackie Chan is so damn good in it. He, he really, really is. It was like, I wouldn't say it's shocking, but it's it's like, I wish they gave him more opportunities to do that, to flex that muscle, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I think in The Foreigner, uh, he really excelled in the, the things he got to do. Um, yeah. We didn't, I mean, I would love to see Jackie Chan do more Jackie Chan things. Like his fight stuff. Like his fight I, stuff. Yeah. Um, and all the fights in The Foreigner were really good, but... It doesn't really compare because you can see he lost a step a little bit, and it does take you know another double or like some a little extra cutting to kind of cut around that. And he's, so he's yeah. in his sixties now. He's broken hundreds of bones. He's like, broken he's everything. Broken every bone in his body. He like. literally has a hole in his head. Did you see that Conan segment where he's like, Conan, please touch the hole in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see it. I did see him as the uh, the stunt office worker on Colbert. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, the the I, I like that he dubs all of his own films. Yeah. So the every American dub you'll ever see of a Jackie Chan movie, Jackie Chan does his own dubbing. Mm. I think that's great. Like yeah. That's it's it. You lose something when you have someone else dub a performance because what what could that person doing the voiceover really understand about the nuance of the performance being given? Even in something ridiculous as Rumble in the Bronx, yeah. it's just you lose something. And to have the actual performer do his own dubbing. Mm-hmm. And someone who does it so consistently, then then it, I guess this would have been earlier in his American release career. Yeah, he's able to bring everything that's essential to his performance. Doesn't I mean? There's not a terrible amount of plot uh, depth to this film. Uh, I like that the first ten pages of this movie are just Uncle talking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Uncle Bill, we just need you to monologue for ten minutes. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he, his character definitely feels like the most fully formed and not so much it's because he's the title character, but mm-hmm. it's because he did do his own dubbing yeah. and everyone else kind of just felt like uh, cardboard cartoons, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's strange. Dubbing never bothered me when I was younger. Yeah. And it took, I've mentioned working at a video store in the past, back when we did the Pan's Labyrinth episode, I talked about consistently people would come up and be like, Where's the Where's the English one? I want the English one. There is no English. Yeah, I saw a commercial for it. Like, yeah, it was a commercial advertising this movie. There is no English dub of this film. Uh, when the raid came out, I remember people being annoyed that it was not in English. And yeah. I don't know if I it, I'm more aware of it now, or 
if it's become more of a problem to people now. But when I was younger, and I remember it, I had to have seen this on TNT or one of those WGN Saturday morning. Uh, didn't bother me at all that it was dubbed. Yeah. Um, when uh, Kung Fu Hustle came out, mm. they advertised it with no dialogue. And the, so when people came in, they're like, what? This is bull. I got to read. <laughs> uh, it never bothered me. It's ne- Dubs have never bothered me. The what uh, the Miyazaki films, I, I enjoy the dubs over the, the subtitled ones just for the... It's not the laziness of having to read a film because I will perfectly... I mean, uh, your name, um, watching the sub on that was yeah. amazing. Um, uh, uh, Akira is more enjoyable in its subtitled than it is in its dub. But um, it never bothered me that there's subtitles. Now, now uh, how about you? Like, the subtitles versus subs versus dubs ben where yeah. you land on that does it matter i'm not a purist in that camp i i, I say it depends on the movie because yeah. if there's work uh if they put in work in the dubbing mm-hmm. then i find it more enjoyable like jackie that the fact that he does all his dubbings um i actually grew up on his dubs yeah so that's that's like that's totally watching this brings brings me back a lot of memories because i don't think i've ever seen the sub version of this mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, if I watch something like Drunken Master 2, i got to watch that sub. Yeah. Because <laughs> even... Oh, the translation's so bad. The translation's so bad, and the Miramax cuts totally butchered it. Because remember the ending of... I don't know if you've seen the like original Hong Kong cut. We watched Drunken Master 2 together on the big screen. Yeah. Remember, uh, it was... Was it Planet... Planet Hollywood? No, um, uh, Hollywood Video yeah. used to be in the parking lot of uh, the AMC. That's right. And I when I ran projection would hook up a DVD player at the end of the night and we would come watch on the big screen. Yeah. And so we watched drunken master too, but I think we watched the Miramax butcher cuts. Yeah. But remind me, what was the the difference between the two? Well, there's, there's a strong one because the ending, they changed it. Uh, cause you know how he drank so much like gasoline. He pretty much became like, um, (laughs) just like not, not there anymore. It was it was like a really comedic moment. It's probably like insensitive now, but <laughs> it was, I don't know. It was just like such a signature Jackie moment that I'm so drunk that they just took it out. As, I don't know, just stuff like that. But I all in all, I think it really depends on the film whether it's sub or dub. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the animes, I just watch it sub because especially the Miyazaki ones. It's just I don't know. There's like a magical quality that you kind of lose. But then again, their dubs are really good. Yeah, the yeah. once Disney bought Studio Ghibli, I feel like they put a lot of because they even re dubbed. They had American release dubs of Totoro and there's a couple of, or maybe Castle um, House. There was a couple of already released American dubs. Christian Bale as hell. Well, when they <laughs> when Disney bought them, yeah. they did cast Christian Bale. They have Liam Neeson doing and, and Ponyo with Jennifer Aniston. And like, <laughs> they were able to bring in names of note hmm. to to uh, to do the performances, but they they put a lot of effort into those dubs. Yeah. Those are really really well done. They don't they don't have the quality of this where you're trying to just get all the lines out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, looking at something like Dragon Ball, mm-hmm. um, the Dragon Ball Z uh, translations are fantastic. Like, yeah, I actually can't watch it in Japanese. Yeah, it's that's my Goku. <laughs> you're, you're you're so used to the Goku being down here. Yeah, but he's way up here. <laughs> <laughs> It, that that's another thing we're becoming so uh, comfortable with the the trans the translated version when you hear the originals like ooh that doesn't sound like the character I know and love. <laughs> um, There's also I I was thinking about this too as what as I'm watching this because 
traditionally in all Jackie Chan movies, he's he plays like kind of the everyman who's very much a pacifist, mm-hmm. and he kind of gets flung into these situations where he's forced to fight. Yeah, and that's always like a really fascinating like dichotomy to me when he's like going up against these like. Whether it's the mafia or like yeah. a local gang, <laughs> he, he's yeah. not picking the fight. Yeah, and I think that's really cool because, like in American action films, the, the hero is always the aggressor. Because um, or they're out for revenge, or, like John Wick style, like. <laughs> the brooders. <laughs> <laughs> and and he just solely fights for in self defense. I think that's pretty cool. But um, in the foreigner, though, it's very, I think it's also interesting because he's very much the aggressor in that film. Mm-hmm. So that's also a different dynamic and a different shade of Jackie you haven't seen. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's I don't know. It's it's a very fascinating, l- different shade of Jackie, but mm-hmm. not. It's just it's two different movies if you watch it. Like, it's half like Jackie revenge thriller in the style of Taken. Yeah. And the other half is like a really political. It's, it's like a slow burn political thriller with Pierce Brosnan monologuing <laughs> in a Lucky Charms accent. <laughs> that's his actual accent. Yeah. He is Irish. I, like that's the crazy thing. Like I know he's Irish, but. Right. He actually puts on this oh, super hammy Irish He's getting way up here. Like that. Oh, yeah. no. Oh, no. <laughs> it was insane. I was like, wait, why don't you just use your regular accent? <laughs> it's it, interesting enough. It's kind of a good segue. Um, Rumble in the Bronx, the way the plot plays out, once the the mafia guy is brought into it, the diamonds and his henchmen are going out, and the way those action sequences play, he's out on the golf course. You get cigar smoking other cop character. All that as it played out. Was that any different than a James Bond movie? No, it wasn't. <laughs> it's was pretty ridiculous. I, I, I don't want to... I, I, we could do a whole podcast on me railing on James Bond, so I won't <laughs> go into too much detail, but as as soon as it, like, golf course, like, the golf course happened, and he's, like, comfortably in his, his golf out of the bad guy, I'm like, holy cow, this is a James Bond movie. <laughs> like, the way it's, the way it's plot, plotted and paced feels no different than, like, GoldenEye yeah. or any of the Pierce Brosnan Bonds, especially. Mm. So that's funny that... Now Jackie's in a movie with one of the bots. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see what else. Uh, yeah, that's funny. I, I did write a note that um, it none of it was Jackie's fault. Like, he didn't do anything wrong. Mm. He only ever did anything right, and everything unfolded because he was just doing the right thing. Yeah. And uh, all the drama of Rumble the Bronx takes place because Jackie just kept stopping bad people from doing bad things. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong, wrong place, wrong he's, time. He's a hero. He's a hero. He doesn't want any trouble, TC. <laughs> <laughs> uh, loved the the '90s quality of this film right from the get go. Like <laughs> the music and the clothes. Oh, jeez. Air, airport terminal. What is up with like '90s action films and starting in an airport terminal? <laughs> <laughs> the plane, like. <laughs> <laughs> then the synths. Dun dun dun. <laughs> I, <laughs> I do think. Anita Mui was very underutilized because she has always been a really great comic foil to Jackie in all his films, especially Drunken Master Two. Now she played the Elena, the Elena, the shop owner. The yeah. one that, like the the only real good moment they had together was where she was on the toilet with her pants down. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care, Mrs. So, so anyone listening, this is like, wait, uh, context, please. When the whole building gets torn down, she's yeah. in the bathroom and the whole wall gets ripped off, and she's like, "What have you done?" And she stands up in her. Her shirt's covering her to her thighs, and then her skirt's down to her ankles. And Jackie's like, ah, I can see everything. Everyone can see me. The wall is gone. <laughs> and then, then she's like, I'm just going to jump. No, you have everything to live for. Like, that's a good, good. And it's all played out in one shot. Like, that whole sequence. Yeah. Just 
and marveling at this great set piece of a torn down building, water spraying, the, the couch is dangling off. They have incredible um, chemistry. So she's, yeah. you're saying she's underutilized. Which other movie was she in with him? Oh, Drunken Master Drunken Master. Yeah, she was the mother. Even though they're like the same age. <laughs> Uh, the the property damage in the latter half of this movie is really something. <laughs> We're sorry, New York. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I, I, the Bronx is just full of uh, of of hoodlums mm. uh, riding around on their dirt bikes. Just a bunch of warrior rejects. <laughs> Come out and play! Come out and play! <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a very interesting film. It, you can this definitely feels like the director watched a lot of American films and mm-hmm. was like, I like this part of The Warriors, this part of James Bond, and this part of Die Hard. And I'm just gonna Let's do make that. it all three. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird, weird mishmash of stuff. Would you... So is this is this a an essential? Would you say people should watch this? Mm. Is this... A, like, how do you... Where do you land in this film overall? Like, this is definitely something to catch on a Sunday afternoon on TNT. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I I highly enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I laughed my ass off the entire time. <laughs> but there's so, like like you said, Jackie has, like, such an extensive catalog that the essentials are truly, like, like creme de la creme. This is definitely, like, um, somewhere in the middle, mm-hmm, middle mm-hmm. of the pack. Yeah. It's, this is perfect to watch with friends. Yes. Like, w- watching, if I'd watched this alone, I would have been amused by it probably would have chuckled a few times but being able to react with you yeah like like the having it end with a with everyone giving a fist pump yeah freeze Freeze frame frame was just (laughs) amazing i lost my marbles i was like i cannot take this anymore if this went on for five more minutes i would lose it so i wouldn't say i wouldn't tell people hey you should watch this if you love jackie chan yes of course watch this Mm -hmm. but if uh, you're just looking for something to watch, no, nah, I don't, wouldn't necessarily recommend this. But if you're hanging out with some friends and you want to toss it on, like during a game nights, or if someone's playing video games over here and you got an extra TV, throw it on. Which is how I experienced a lot of Jackie Chan because I used to live with uh, my buddy Cliff. That's right. And he owns every single Jackie Chan movie. No way. Every single one of them. This guy, no one loves Jackie Chan more than more than Cliff. Yeah. And. Um, he always had three TVs. We'd play video games on two of them, and he'd throw a movie on the third one, and it was very often Jackie Chan. <laughs> <laughs> so this this is a lot of fun to watch. It was a lot of fun to watch with you, yeah. which we haven't done in a while, actually. Our 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 format of rewatchment has changed over the years. Mm-hmm. We used to get together, we'd talk, we'd then we'd watch the movie, then we'd come back for the review, and just growing up and having more to do with our lives, it became easier to watch separately than come together to review it. So yeah. this was fun to do a throwback of uh, yeah. going back to this. This so, was great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thanks, unemployment. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what would you recommend? If you if you wouldn't necessarily call this the, the like point to this to say this is the one to watch, yeah. is there something you would say, watch this one? Oh, man. We definitely should talk about like our essential Jackie movies. Mm-hmm. But when I was watching this film and just seeing how the plot played out, it very, for me, it reminisced a lot like uh, Way of the Dragon yeah. or I think over here it's called Return of the Dragon with Bruce Lee okay the Chuck Norris one okay, okay uh, yes because <laughs> that's essentially just like uh, just an everyman coming to a new place mm-hmm. um, trying to help a family member's restaurant out like literally oh, wow. <laughs> their family member's business and some street hooligans comes in tries to rough up the place and he becomes the protector mm-hmm. so like it's a great it's a great companion piece because like the plot's kind of beat for beat but also <laughs> like similar an interesting dynamic between um, 
Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan because Bruce Lee's so serious. And yeah. Jackie's like very much the comedic martial artist. <laughs> and so it's like a nice, nice uh, difference between the two. Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I would say if if you do want to experience something a little more accessible yeah. in terms of a comedic, uh, action-y kung fu film, uh, Kung Fu Hustle. Yeah. Kung Fu, we, we've done Kung Fu Hustle. We've actually watched it for the for this show. Mm-hmm. And that movie is just everything. Everything that, this, that Rumble in the Bronx is on accident, yeah. Kung Fu Hustle is on purpose. Yes. Um, it's a period piece because mm-hmm. it's not set in, in necessarily modern day it's a pseudo contemporary era um but kung fu hustle is so fun and and funny and and um uh, St- uh steven um chow. chow is obviously inspired by jackie chan yeah. there's no doubt about that uh, so to see someone take everything that jackie chan is and presented in a more contemporary fashion mm. of filmmaking kung fu hustle all the way if you are more looking for a straight-up action movie if you want to take it more seriously of the modern films the raid would be the Ooh. one to go to if you just want to see insanely choreographed people kicking the crap out of each other <laughs> raid is 90 minutes of that <laughs> so there's the, the two sides of the coin there. yeah 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 Man. i definitely want to ask you about like favorite jackie movements okay but yeah. there's i have another wreck um because i'm thinking about i've been thinking about michelle yo a lot lately because ah, yes. she's been coming up again with, with star trek yep star but, trek um, discovery mm-hmm. i always thought she was such a great equal to jackie oh yeah and um like super cop's amazing but i i when i think of like this kind of like ni- mid-90s style hong kong's action martial arts film mm-hmm. um I, I like a low-key favorite of mine is um uh i think it's called it's just called Wing Chun. Okay. Um, and it's about, like, the originator Wing Chun. And a lot of people don't realize, because, like, uh, Wing Chun's become more popular as of recent because of Donnie Yen and Ip Man. Ip Man, yeah. Um, it, they kind of brought it to the States and made it more accessible. But no, not a lot of people know Wing Chun was invented by a woman. And Michelle Yao plays her mm. in the biopic? Plays okay. her in the biopic. And awesome. It's a very, I say biopic very loosely. It's, it's very much a fantasy. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> like people fly and stuff like that. Yeah. But she play. She is the originator of the the style. But also, she runs a tofu restaurant. <laughs> and Donnie Yen's in it. Donnie oh. Yen plays her like love interest, and it's like, it's such a great, cause like, you, there's no CG. Everyone does their own fighting, mm-hmm. and like she has a she has a dancing background, so she's not. She wasn't originally a martial artist. But she moves so gracefully. Like it's it's incredible just watching her just in motion because she's so you don't good. you don't really see that with a lot of female action stars because they weren't like trained to do that. You know, mm-hmm. it's a very much a male dominated industry, and so seeing her doing that at that time was a very like formative time for me watching cinema. It's just like man, I really look up to Michelle I, when I watch action movies. She slips my mind a lot with naming, if so, name your favorite actresses, and I have not seen a large body of her work. Yeah, but. She's always so Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is one of one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah. <laughs> I know that might sound hyperbolic, but um, having, just think about having it. revisited it fairly recently, yeah, uh, I was considering it for a one minute rewatch, um, and I couldn't find a fast, funny way to. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like this is just <laughs> it's just so good. That movie is uh, actually maybe that would be worth doing a rewatch on. But mm. she's so charismatic, compelling. What's the one she's um. She's in one with Jackie where she jumps the motorcycle on the green train. Super cop, yeah. yeah. Uh, and obviously she's my uh, my pitch for Sue Storm. That's right, like, yeah. yeah. Like, um, I'm 
not entirely pleased with how Star Trek Discovery decided to utilize her. Uh. <laughs> uh, I'll leave it at that for the sake of not wanting to be spoilery. Um, yeah, she's she's incredible. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon alone is the reason yeah. she's amazing. But it's, she's still, a, what was it? The Wing 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 Chung. Wing Chung. Wing Chung. It's just called Wing Chung. I don't know if there's a different title in the states. I don't even know if it's here. If yeah. it's ever got imported, I watched like a Chinese bootleg <laughs> in the late two thousands. But yeah. um, that was a really that was a really fun one. If you're if anyone's looking for a good martial arts comedy, because mm-hmm. I think that's like a completely dead genre. That's awesome. Yeah. Martial arts comedy. Comedy, yeah. <laughs> I know it sounds funny. Uh, do you have a Do you have Jackie Chan favorite moments or favorite films that you would that you would uh, like yeah. the essential Jackie? What are yours? I'm, yeah, I'm sure there's some overlap with us. Oh, totally. But you're gonna have a wider breadth of knowledge for him, I think. Cliff will have the widest. <laughs> <laughs> Cliff <think>. would. Yeah. <laughs> I think of like my favorite fights or stunts. I think of a few. Um, Man, I don't want to go to Drunken Master. That's too easy. I, say, but it's hard not to. That is so good. I know. It's like it's that literally is the perfect Jackie film. But I've literally dropped it like the entire this entire podcast already. So I'll say <laughs> one of my de- definitely one of my favorite fights. I wish I revisited today. Actually, mm-hmm. have you ever seen Project A? No, no. It's the one where he's in Italy, and I think he plays a secret agent or something like that. But <laughs> plot doesn't matter. <laughs> but he fights. He fights a Latino American actually, who was a at the time. This is so great about like Bruce and Jackie around that time was like they would pull in real martial artists, mm-hmm. um, championship martial artists, and just like put them in their films, just like nothing, and that gave them like great exposure. Like Dan Ensenado, who like um, the the sticks guy in Game of Death. Like totally popularized that yes, style, yes, because he was in that movie. <laughs> so that's so cool. And they're making a biopic of him now. So that's I don't oh. know, just stuff like that. It's I hope so it's cool. as good as the Bruce Lee biopic that just got released. <laughs> Holy cow, Steve, Steve, oh. the movie. Oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think of the fight in Project A when um, I, you must have seen it before. There's highlights of it all over the internet. But like when when Benny like does a roundhouse kick. And it kicks out the fire from the candles. Have you ever seen that sequence? Before? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's uh, I can. I'm, I'm picturing it. I yeah, I saw that. Then must have just been some compilation. Probably, I think it was in that uh, essay by Tony Zhao too. That's probably where it's. Yeah. yeah, that was a really good fight. That's actually <laughs> one of the first times where where I thought, man, Jackie can really fight. It's not just like stunt fighting for the for the screen. Like mm-hmm. he can. He was actually boxing and using hapkido and taekwondo and stuff like that and all these like different disciplines that. You know, way before mixed martial arts was like popularized and stuff mm-hmm. like that, he was doing it all. It was like very impressive. Best. Uh, Jackie's the best. Jackie's the best. <laughs> Favorite stunt, man. Um, I've never actually seen the the film, mm-hmm. but I've seen the stunt multiple times. Is when he jumps on the hot air balloon in Operation Condor. Yes, <laughs> I actually would have listed Operation Condor because yeah. that's one I've seen multiple times in those video game nights back in the day. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. He could have died. Yeah, Jackie could have died. A lot. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there will never be another. There will never be another Jackie Chan. I think it's because <laughs> the rules of filmmaking will not allow it. <laughs> it's illegal now. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, who am I? I really yeah. Like who am I? Yeah. Uh, it does have one of the silliest line deliveries ever. But the Who am I? <laughs> who am I? <laughs> Where he's just shouting on the top of that like pyramid thing. Like I, that. I quote that. All the time. It's just one of those super random, for no good reason, lines of movie dialogue that I think of all the time. He's having an existential crisis. But I think my favorite Jackie Chan 
is the police story series. Yeah. I love those movies. And the fact that they, they work as a series and they all work alone. Yeah. Because the new police story, which came out back in like 06, so maybe 06, 07, mm-hmm. uh, was kind of like a reboot of the franchise. Yeah. And he plays uh, Officer Jackie Chan. Because <laughs> he plays Chan. <laughs> like, he plays Officer Chan in the movie. Mm-hmm. And there's... Every one of those movies has just... And in at least one insane fight scene. Yeah. That it's like, oh yeah, this is why Jackie Chan is the legend he is. <laughs> Let's watch the next one. Oh, yep, that's it. That's why he's the legend that he is. Those movies are very interesting because they're they're a little bit darker. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like, he he plays a very uh, an alcoholic. Mm. Uh, he's lost family. Like he's he's a broken man throughout these films, and uh, and it's overcoming those. It. I think the police the police story movies are the best Americanized Hong Kong films. Yeah. Right? They they're not made by American filmmakers, they're still made by Hong Kong, but they they, they there's a good crossover between yeah, them. Yeah, some Western sensibilities. Yeah, 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 yeah. But not in a pandering way, I don't feel at least I mean it's been a while since I've seen them. Yeah. The new police story I probably watched in the past maybe five years. Mm. Like the newest one. Yeah. Um but there's a good crossover appeal to them and yeah, they're they're a little they're a little more grounded, a little less comedic. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's the, that's why Who Am I and Operation Condor are higher on the list because that's Jackie being Jackie. Yeah, that's him being his authentic self. <laughs> and Supercop, like I I can remember watching Supercop on TV as well. Yeah, right, Supercop. Yeah, Supercop. Yeah, yeah. That, oh, that's the Michelle Yeoh one. Yeah, yeah. But the best part of any Jackie Chan movie is the credits where they roll all the bloopers. <laughs> yeah, when he gets hurt. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Do you have any? What are your essentials like? Have you listed them all? Or um, I mean, in terms of films, Drunken Master 2 is just like top five all-time films in general for mm-hmm. me. I just, every time I watch it, I get inspired. Like, it's, it's everything's in camera. Everything feels very inventive and imaginative. And it's, it's like, there is no wrong way with him. It's like, if he, if someone gets, if someone gets like a creative block in uh, blocking this fight sequence or whatever, he's just like, well, why don't we just use this bottle instead of the <laughs> stick or yeah. just like why don't we use the ladder instead of the chair it's just like he's he's always continuously thinking of solutions on the fly mm-hmm. that's the thing like he was talking to me about this in an interview he's like there's so so many of my fights are actually improvised and I was just like that's insane <laughs> you would never get away with that here how is that possible <laughs> how is it possible you would never get away with that and that's just that's just an otherworldly talent he's a unicorn mm-hmm. there will never be another <laughs> Jackie Chan <laughs> and that's incredible I mean there's and I love his style so much because he's, he really has differentiated himself from the the pack. Because like, um, I I truly admire Donnie and Jet Li and Bruce Lee and all of them. They're like truly titans mm-hmm, of that mm-hmm. of their eras. But Jackie's just like, he's he's got his own thing, and no one can mimic it. You know, everyone tries to mimic Bruce Lee all the time. Some looks okay. Like Donnie Yen's mimicked him earlier in his career, and he looks great. But like. Yeah. I can't see anyone mimicking Jackie. It's just like so. That's his signature. You know? Yeah, and and I don't feel like many people even try to. Yeah. Uh, looking like Chow Young Fat, who was another a good uh, an import um, Asian cinema to American cinema, mm. but he's he's so much wire foo. Yeah. Which is a, which is a shame because Chow Young Fat is a, a generally damn good. I mean, hard boiled, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Jackie's one of a kind. Candace, any thoughts on Jackie Chan? Thumbs up. <laughs> the, the freeze frame thumbs up. 
Thank you, Jackie. Well, I am interested to hear what uh, the listeners might have to say about Jackie Chan. So wherever you might be listening to this, if it's on Facebook, at uh, the Redacted Media Facebook page, feel free to comment here. Or if you listen to this on Ben's page or my page, comment below there. Or you can always tweet it at me, at TC's Big Head, or at Ben, at Benji Toes. Ah, uh, yeah. Over at Twitter. But, yeah, uh, so toss, toss, us, uh, toss us your feelings about Jackie Chan, whether it's a love for Rumble in the Bronx or just any Jackie Chan in general. Um, yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so uh, do you want to take a break here and then maybe do a little preview of what's to come for the rest of the year for us? That sounds good. Cool. So, all right, thanks for listening, everybody. We're going to be talking about the rest of the, uh, the cinematic year that's coming out for 2017. So if you're not interested in that, thank you for listening. Otherwise, we'll be back after this break. <laughs> Two thousand seventeen, Ben. Two thousand seventeen. We are we are recording this in October of two thousand seventeen. So yes. we are we are about to enter the the final stretch of the year, which is um, things have changed. Mm. Okay, because it used to be the summer movie season. There'd be the lull, and then you'd you'd get into the the awards season, right? Thor is coming out next week. Yeah, <laughs> like that's a blockbuster in October. Mm. Is that normal? Yeah, it's Disney normal. <laughs> I guess it's Disney normal, right? Yeah, they got November and December unlocked for the next 50 years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, I feel like things have changed in the past couple of years because January and February proved to be a viable market for Deadpool and Zootopia. Mm. Like, those two movies were huge for last year. Yeah. That could say something about last year's films, that a movie <laughs> from January and February, or I guess they were both February, uh, managed to last the whole year in the top 10. But still, uh, it's it's just interesting that 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 the release schedules have changed quite a bit. It's yeah. no longer the seasons anymore. It's just one consistent barrage of movie releases. Yeah. <laughs> the lull is it's much different now. Uh, currently, as things stands, uh, do you want to hear what the top ten for the year are so far? Sure. All right, so number ten is Logan. Oh wow! <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's great. Uh, it is number nine. Pirates of the Caribbean five is number eight. Wonder Woman is number seven. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two is number six. Wolf Warrior 2 is number 5. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> what the heck is Wolf Warrior? I think it's a Chinese production, okay. but I've, I've never seen it. I've never seen anything for it. Yeah. Uh, for number number 4 slot for the top 10 of the year so far is Spider-Man Homecoming 4. Wait, it made more than Guardians and Wonder and Woman? And Wonder Woman, yeah. Wow. But not by much, by only about 20 to $40 million more. Okay. That's it. That's incredible because... Like Wonder Woman had buzz throughout the entire year. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's seriously, it's they are within the ballpark of each other. These the 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 uh, so from Wonder Woman up to Spider Man are all like Wonder Woman, Guardians, Wolf Warrior, and Spider Man are all in the eight hundred million dollar range. Okay, like they're all really close to each other. Oh, you know what? It, I did remember hearing that Homecoming did way better in China. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then this is this makes me sad mm. because the number three movie of the year right now is Despicable Me three. Did you see Despicable Me three? I didn't see two. I don't know anyone <laughs> who saw Despicable Me three, but apparently more people saw Despicable Me three than any of the other movies I've listed so far. 
Uh, can you guess what the number one two right is right, right now? Number number two? Yeah. Number two. Oh, that's all right. I'll beat you to it. Fast and the Furious 8. Okay. Or The Fate of the Furious. <laughs> Fate. And currently the number one movie of the year is Beauty and the Beast. Damn. Right? Wow. That's not a great year, man. That's not a great year. I don't think that this year has been great. It's been, it's been rocky for sure. Like, there's been some surprises. Yeah. Wonder Woman was a genuine, genuine surprise. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. Uh, Spider Man, great. We've 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 come down from Spider Man. Yeah. I, do you still love it as much as you you initially did? I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the movie itself or if we had too many Spider Man films. I feel fatigue from the I, character. I don't think we have enough Spider-Man movies, but <laughs> but I want another reboot. I don't. Uh, I think what we need to keep doing is just continue to reboot Spider-Man. That's that's the only way. That's all I want. And it only can be Peter Parker. It can only be Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Team Ben Riley. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, how it should have ended released their Spider-Man Homecoming video. Did you? Oh, I haven't seen that yet. It's, it's good. Uh, a quick plug for <laughs> for how it should have ended. So next... I'm also coming down from it. Also, sorry. No, 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 please go ahead. I'm also coming down from Homecoming because, like, just seeing more and more of how many plot threads and elements of Miles Morales's uh, run mm-hmm. inspired. <laughs> I use quotation marks. Inspired Homecoming, <laughs> aka lifted completely. Um, used to tell because Peter. That's not. I feel like that interpretation of Peter is very much just Miles. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. It, I, I told I, I broke your heart on that before the movie even came out. It's like, yeah. hey, you know how everyone's like, hey, Miles Morales is a great character. He's got a great story. It should be told. Yeah, here we're going to give it to you. <laughs> I mean, it's still going to be Peter, yeah. but you'll get Miles' story. <laughs> uh, it's it, so messed up, man. <laughs> so messed up. Well, it, it's, it's that, it's that uh, the, the marketing machine, the Hollywood machine of looking at it like, it's oh no come on it has to be peter parker who would accept a spider-man by any other name <laughs> it has to be clark kent it has to be bruce wayne yeah right that that is something that uh i'm that was a, a boon to the the initial run of of the marvel cinematic universe no one knew who these characters were i could i could say hey who's steve rogers yeah. to an average person they'd be like i don't know but now, because of the success of Captain America, Steve Rogers is Captain America. People, even more so is Tony Stark. Yeah. If I asked anyone who, any person off the street who Iron Man was, they'd be like, isn't that a Ozzy Osbourne song? <laughs> <laughs> right? And it was, it was Robert Downey Jr. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe that made Tony Stark, Iron Man, and Robert Downey Jr. a household name. Um, and it allowed them some latitude to just do whatever they needed to tell good stories. Yeah. Downside of that now is is doing something like Peter Parker again. All the all the the hate and difficulty that they got from oh, you're rebooting it again. They mm. pulled it off with Civil War and Homecoming. They did it. Yeah. But if they were going to take the risk of bringing Spider Man in, that would have been an opportunity to offer a different Spider Man. Maybe not even Miles. Maybe yeah. Spider Gwen. Like take a different. They, they had a chance to to do something there, and they they played a little safer. Yeah. Which is a it, it is something I could criticize the Marvel Cinematic Universe for doing of recent hmm. in Ant Man and Doctor Strange. Those are two insane ideas, sane characters that they could have done anything with, yeah. and they went the absolute safest way possible with yeah. those two characters. Um, love them or hate them, that's just a just my feelings on it. So I appreciate your your wishing that it had been Miles, <laughs> but there's a chance. But we can still get Miles out of this. I mean, really, in the, in the grand scheme, the way the cinematic universe for Marvel is being played out right now, Tom Holland's Peter, Spider-Man, is 
the logical person to carry on the mantle for all the old guard. Like when it's time to move into the new phase four or five or wherever they're going to go, Tom Holland is young enough that he could play Peter Parker, the mentor to the next generation of Marvel cinematic characters, which could include Miles. Crossing fingers, guys. Uh, so, Boo 2, Medea Halloween, eh? Ooh, yeah, no, child. Let's, let's, not, let's, not, uh, let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, I know you had said uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer was on your radar. Did I? Yeah, I remember you had posted a, a Facebook message about even just watching the preview. That's the Colin Farrell one with the uh, Nicole Kidman... I don't even know what that movie no? is. No, what? Yeah. I swear to God, it was you. Okay, well, there... I'm sorry, DC, I failed you. <laughs> uh, Suburbicon. Uh, George Clooney's... Um, every time I see that trailer, I just roll my eyes. <laughs> did the Coen brothers wrote that, right? Yeah, I okay. think they, they co-wrote it with George Clooney. Um, yeah. I, everyone knows I have a strong disdain for Matt Damon, so I'm just, that's a strong <laughs> skip for me, but I, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Uh, it was yeah. filmed just on the block here. Really? Yeah. Wow. Right by the movie theater, as a matter of fact. Holy crap, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, right in the Fullerton neighborhoods. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it's. I like the Coen brothers, but I, I only like the Coen brothers when they make their movies. Mm. Not entirely interested in seeing a Coen Brothers script directed by someone else. Yeah, but I don't know. It, I'm sure it'll it'll come and go. It, there's nothing about it that has struck me as oh, this is a must see. Yeah, which is just essentially the entirety of 2017 at this point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're we're getting a new Saw movie. Oh God, Jigsaw. <laughs> yeah, is this the the final chapter? No, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> So, are you excited for Thor? Speaking of the Marvel movies, mm. um, we've I think going into this year of all the superhero movies that were coming out, as soon as that Thor trailer dropped, yeah. that was the top of my list. That was the mo- yeah most anticipated for me. So, I mean, come come this time next week, we will have seen it, we will have experienced it, we will know how if our feelings were valid or not. But <laughs> as of right now, I've only seen that first trailer, and I've managed to avoid everything since. Mm. And I love Taika Waititi. Um, I like the interviews I've seen with him, or his his uh, the the purpose he went into this movie making with. Um, I'm excited. It, it looks it looks really good. <laughs> it's got all the right pieces uh, and a compelling villainess. That's right, a villainess. Have we has there been a female villain in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Hmm. Sigourney Weaver. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Is that MCU though? Do they count the TV stuff as MCU? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They reference each. They the Netflix series reference the incident. Okay. In, all the time. They New talk York. about Hulk. They talk about. They talk about like they make mention of the the bigger Marvel. Not enough. Yeah. If you ask me, I don't think they do it enough. Mm-hmm. Like, aliens came out of the sky. We can talk about it, guys. Stop mm-hmm. calling it the incident. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. A bad mom's Christmas. Oh, is that the Bad Mom sequel? Have you have you seen the preview for this? Or you're I least, have, yeah. Okay, are you also aware that there's a Daddy's Home 2 coming out? I am. Yeah. Are you? Have you seen the preview for that? I have. Are those the same movie? They are the same exact movie. <laughs> like, they are strikingly close to this. Like, at least the premise in that, like, hey, remember these characters from the first movie? Well, now they're up, their parents are coming to town. <laughs> Shenanigans ensue. Man, what, what happened to the R-rated rock? raunchy comedy like I, of the mid 2000s it totally died yeah i i think that the the wave of that it's the peak is peaks are small yeah um when you look at something like old school and wedding crashers i think those are the peak of of an era right there and then apatow came along and made 
his run of R-rated movies that are all too long. <laughs> Obviously, I have, a, I, I have my feelings about Jade Apatow movies, but they're they're two and a half hours long. That's not that's not a, that's too long for yeah. a comedy. Um, and I think they overstayed their welcome because it was a lot of the same thing over and over again. Hmm. Um, and you get the and then you get the copycats and everyone trying to come out and and achieve. Oh, look, we do, I remember Sex Drive. Yeah, we'll do, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll make that. That's that'll be just like an Apatow movie. Yeah. Role models, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I like robots. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, this is the end. I think is a, a good R-rated comedy. But the apex. Yeah. Beyond that, you get a lot of just tired, tired. Do uh, we need to see Will Ferrell doing this thing again? Bad Moms was a, a a a fluke of a movie. Do we need Do we need another one? I I just stand by the fact that there are no good comedic sequels. I don't know that and like I don't know. I I haven't. I don't remember the last great comedy that I saw, at least feature-wise, because mm-hmm. it's all on television now. And I think it's the modern comedy really lacks lacks something, and and it's that it doesn't say anything or it's not about anything. Yeah. And not I'm not saying anything about like thematically or anything, but if you watch like comedies from the '80s or even the '90s, there is like a high concept there. Yeah. Like Airplane or Naked Gun or. Uh, you know, even Ace Ventura. There's high, it's high concept comedies, and it's kind of those Judd Apatow movies are about nothing. Yeah, it's just guys sitting in a room, like it's kind of dogging on each other. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's it. The the Bad Moms and Daddy's Home. They don't. You're right. They're not. They're not a high concept. Like, you know, it's not R rated. But you look at the Sandler comedies. Even his attempts at concepts are the weakest, lowest hanging fruit you yeah. have to just achieve a film. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's why Edgar Wright makes the best comedies, mm-hmm. that are some of the best comedies of the past decade, because you want high concept, holy cow. I mean, Baby Driver is an action movie uh, more than anything, yeah. but even though the comedic elements of that are so much more inspired than a well-edited improv scene between <laughs> two faces you recognize. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I, th- I'll, I will say... I'll say that. Uh, did you see Girls Trip? Um, Girls Trip, Girls Trip, that was the Jada Pinkett Smith one? Jada Pinkett Smith, yeah. Queen Latifah. I did not, no. That was actually pretty good oh, yeah. for what it was, an R-rated <laughs> comedy. That was probably the last good one, but that was like actually pretty charming. All right. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> it was better than the other copycat movie, uh, Rough Night. Rough Night, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I heard that was terrible. Did you see the preview? You saw the movie. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but speaking of comedies coming out, and it's funny because I mentioned uh, the one you, the killing of a sacred deer, which you apparently don't remember, <laughs> uh, which is from A24. Another A24 movie that comes out in November is Lady Bird with Cersei Ronan. I know that movie. That looks cool. That looks really good. Yeah. And written and directed by Greta Gerwig. Oh, yeah? I think it's her directorial debut. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it It's a it's definitely in an indie, dramedy vein, less less uh, snarky than Juno, mm. but in that arena. Yeah. Um, I want to compare it to Edge of 17, mm. just based on the preview one. Did you see Edge of 17? I haven't. Was it good? Yeah. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> <laughs> the, the best teen angsty dramedy comedies... Uh, the best ones to me are when the characters speak like kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Super Bad is the best of the Apatow movies because yeah. that's kind of how asshole teenage boys talk. <laughs> <laughs> and Edge of Seventeen has the right teenage girl voice in it, at least from my opinion. What do I know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounded real. Um, and back when you were a teenage girl, <laughs> Lady, Lady Bird looks <laughs> looks great. It's got uh, 
Uh, it's got some buzz around it too. Yeah. Um, Cersei Ronan, who was in Brooklyn what, two years ago, mm-hmm. uh, two years ago, yeah, um, which was nominated for Best Picture. I love that film. Oh, yeah. Brooklyn. Yeah, her, yeah, very, very pretty film. Her performance with that and that was very understated and underrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like her a lot. Yeah. I, everything she's done. Um, uh, Hannah. Oh God, Hannah. Yes. Hannah, uh, what's that Wes Anderson film? With the hotel. Oh, uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She's great in everything she does, man. <laughs> she is. She's the the next wave. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she's she hasn't done any blockbusters. Actually, her one attempt at a blockbuster was the host, the Stephanie Myers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that, didn't you? <laughs> I did. uh, never forget. Never forget. Well, uh, there's a really great line in the trailer when the two girls were arguing. From the host? No, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> From Lady Bird. From Lady Bird. Well, oh yeah, I was like, well, at least my mom's breasts aren't fake. It's like it was a it was a one mistake she made when she was a teenager. Two mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> it looks very clever. It looks I, really good. Yeah, yeah, I want to watch that. I, I feel like that's something that's going to come in under, under the radar around some of the blockbusters of the season, but something that'll probably have legs if not pop up again during yeah. the award season. So. Yeah, eight twenty four is so good. Oh yeah, man. They, I'll watch anything they put up. They Moonlight alone put them solidly on the map. Yeah. But um, they, did they do uh, Get Out? No, that was Blumhouse. Blumhouse, okay. yeah. Right. Florida Project, or actually, probably talk about that later because I think that's gonna come up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see another a big movie coming out is Murder on the Orient Express, which has got a star-studded cast. Um, it's the remake. It's Kef- Kenneth Branagh writing, or directing and starring in it. Oh, he's directing yeah. it. Okay. Uh, it's also got Johnny Depp. <laughs> um, not not for long. What? Well, Johnny Depp is the uh, is the the victim. Of the murder of the title character, isn't he? Is he? Yeah, like in the, in. Have you ever seen Murder? On the I've Red actually Red? never seen the original. Oh, okay, so yeah. or no? Yeah, as I'm to understand, Johnny Depp only has a very small role in it because oh, he's the okay. the victim. At well, least we hope so. Yeah, I'm sorry if that that was spoiler. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's the whole movie's predicated on a murder. <laughs> but... They don't tell you. Sorry. <laughs> Well, maybe I'm wrong, but as is my understanding, he's playing the... Sorry, if I'm aware of the... I don't know. At least we hope so, because he, he has a very hokey French accent in the movie. <laughs> uh, LBJ's coming out, the Rob Reiner-directed biopic. What? Yes. It's about a... Lyndon B. Johnson. Who Who's playing LBJ? Uh, you would think it would be Brian Cranston, since he just so successfully played him on... Uh, on Broadway, yeah, was he nominated for a Tony for that? I don't know. I feel like he was. Um, uh, Woody Harrelson starring in it actually as LBJ, <laughs> 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 but it's got a great cast: Woody Harrelson, uh, Richard Jenkins, Bill Pullman, uh, St. Thomas Howell, um, Jennifer Jason Leigh. Uh, this this is Oscar Beatty. Mm. Nah, yeah. <laughs> I Rob Reiner hasn't been Rob Reiner for a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, Biopics are tough, and I feel like every season there's always at least one good biopic surrounded by a whole bunch of, like, yeah, you wanted your Oscar, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> it's so, uh, I don't know. There's something so inorganic about the way prestige biopics are made and are performed, too. Like, everyone's kind of raving about the, I mean, I haven't seen it, so I, I can't judge, but just watching that Churchill trailer with Gary Oldman and all that makeup. Oh, yeah. He doesn't even look human. <laughs> it, 
it kind of looked like a joke. Yeah. Like the preview comes off like an SNL digital short. Digital short. <laughs> like I kept waiting for the turn. Like, yeah. Oh, when's this? When's he gonna fart or something? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see what else. Uh, Paddington Two. <laughs> I haven't seen the first one. Uh, let's see. There's a movie called Mayhem coming out. <gasps> Steven Yeun. I'm not. I'm not familiar with this. What's? Oh yeah, Steven Yeun's in it. What is? What is? It's an action horror comedy. It looks very much like Battle Royale, except in an office. Oh, like, didn't we just get that movie? We did. It, the Bl- the Belco project. experiment. Yeah. Yeah. But this one, um, so there's a virus that breaks out in the office, but instead of turning them to zombies or whatever, um, it makes them act on their most deepest uh, desires and impulses. Okay. So, like, you know, uh, murder is one of them. <laughs> and I don't know, it looks very interesting. Um, it's like, it looks like a fun midnight movie, and Steve Young's in his first leading feature role. Nice. Yeah. All right, cool. If, uh, who, uh, Steve Young from uh, Walking Dead, of, yeah. of Walking Dead fame as Glenn. You got to, yeah. Yeah, we actually share credits in a movie together. <gasps> I am I am the <laughs> if you watch the star which is like an animated retelling of the birth of Jesus mm-hmm. and you stay to the very end of the credits yeah. I'm literally the last name <laughs> really yeah hey congratulations I didn't know that and Steve Yun plays a talking donkey in it <laughs> <laughs> does that come out yet I, I just saw a poster for that it's... November 17th well congratulations I didn't realize that you had a oh thank you you, you have a major motion picture credit it's my claim to fame <laughs> you're the very last name in the credits very last name it says yeah. your name and then to say all names in portrayed here are purely coincidental that whole like uh, yeah the, the legalese happens like after that my name and then music and then like all the production babies <laughs> <laughs> oh man well then we we're, we're, we get to, to the biggest I think they're still filming this right now actually hmm. uh, there's a movie being filmed right now um, it hopefully will be done on time, but because it's being released in just a few weeks, Justice League. Um, think <laughs> if they're still filming right now, that would not surprise me one bit. Ugh, just that it's just a shit show. Is a shit show is like the only way to describe that production. Like I mean, like thoughts goes out to Zack Snyder. That's a horrible tragedy. That's aside, yeah. Put that aside. Yes, I, I, that, we are not discussing that at all. Have, I'm not saying we're not discussing it, yeah. but it, like. In terms of Snyder yeah. to weed into all that mess. I have no idea what movie we're going to get, TC. Like, every trailer screams a different movie. Like, that first trailer looked dark and broody. Yeah. And then this last trailer looked like like a rock concert. I have no idea what I'm going to get. It was... It's just... Whedon was brought on to finish it. Yeah. Then they gave him the reshoot schedule. Then they extended the reshoot schedule. They have filmed the equivalent of a an entire film's shooting schedule hmm. with an entire film's budget since Joss Whedon's come on so much so that he's getting a directing credit now. Yeah. He wasn't going to. Now he's going to. Oh, my God. <laughs> and if he doesn't, I would be shocked because yeah. they have refilmed for, like, two months. Mm. That's why I'm, I'm joking that they're probably still filming right now, but it would not surprise me <laughs> if there is just a night and day coffee and Ivy's panic to finish this movie. It's I'm, gonna, not like, I'm not looking forward to it. It looks, it looks awful. I just feel so bad how cynical I am in... The, the portrayal of some of my favorite characters being I should be excited that this movie exists yeah that the Justice League is happening and, mm-hmm. and that I get to see it but I just so I'm so cynical to everything they've done <laughs> like it just came out well, in the wrong era hey Wonder Woman was a success we need to add more Wonder Woman into the movie yeah they 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 should have realized what they had to begin with, but after the success of Wonder Woman, they had to extend the shooting schedule to put more of her in it yeah. to put the put to put the Amazons in it mm-hmm. 
<laughs> it's it's just feels like an entire franchise of films made by committee. Yeah. It's going to be a collage clip show. It's just going to be a bunch of set pieces strung together with some heavy-handed expo- exposition. Oh wait, they already have that. It's called Batman v Superman. <laughs> I want it to be good, Ben. I want I want to go I want to be surprised. I want to, I want to just go in and, and enjoy it. What I did with Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice was <laughs> <laughs> was I went in and I said I know what people are saying. I know the reviews right now. I'm going to put those aside, and I'm going to like this movie. Yeah. I'm going to try to enjoy this movie. And for the most part, I did up to a point where I just finally got fed up with it. Mm. With Wonder Woman, I went in with like very much precautious, like very precautious. Um, and with Justice League, I'm going to have to do the same thing. Where And I shouldn't have to go to a movie like that. I should just be <laughs> like, yay, I'm going to see this. <laughs> but it's just I'm I'm technically out of the target demographic for anything now <laughs> since my last birthday i'm officially out of target demographic status, oh, man. so these movies aren't made for me anymore <laughs> except for churchill oh speaking of what do you know what comes out what comes out uh, against justice league your movie the, the star, star. <laughs> <laughs> my movie yeah. the, the star comes out the same weekend as so. <laughs> no comments <laughs> uh, let's see we got wonder I don't know what that is uh, cook off almost uh, Mr. Oh, Rosen. wonders that Todd, Todd Haynes movie right uh, Stephen Chabowski Stephen Jack Thor Julie Roberts Jacob Tremblay Owen Welshen and Mandy Patinka no? wow wow <laughs> Uh, oh wow! Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, another three hours of this. Uh, strangely, there's a movie called Mr. Roosevelt coming out. Is there two presidential biopics coming out? <laughs> oh man! No way! Asking for this. No one watches oh, wait. these movies. <laughs> this this can't. This is a comedy. Noelle Wells wrote and directed it and stars in it. Noelle Wells of Master of None. She plays uh, Deb's girlfriend, in oh, it. and she's from Saturday Night Live. Yeah. She started her career on Crack.com. What's it about? Uh, well, let's go. An American comedy written and written, written, and directed debut of Noelle Wells. Stars yourself, okay, there. That's a name right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, huh. There's no synopsis online. <laughs> it's 90 minutes. Not a real movie. Yeah, I don't know. It just says Mr. Mr. Roosevelt. Mr. Roosevelt. But uh, Doug Benson's in it. Whoa. I cannot stand Doug Benson. <laughs> he likes weed. <laughs> ben? Like, do you get it? I mean, that's funny. That's the joke. That's <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> weed, Ben. I like weed. Weed, weed, weed. <laughs> oh, Mr. Roosevelt. Uh, that's that more. <laughs> that's cool. Noel Wells uh, writing and directing it. Um, I think that uh, the success of stuff like um, uh, what was the uh, sisters and bridesmaids and proving that there's a, a very viable market for female written, directed, and led comedies. Yeah. So, yeah, cool. There's a space for it. There is a space for it. There's a market for it, and, and not none of people are uh, capitalizing on it. So they're called women. What? <laughs> we we I'm familiar with men. <laughs> All right. Um, Louis C.K. has a movie coming out called I Love You, Daddy. Oh, man. Did you see a joke I just watched that? the preview for it last night. This bad timing. That was just a joke trailer. No, no, that was real. What? Oh, you didn't realize that was a real movie? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's... that's, a, that's a, um, it just looks like an episode of his show. And also... Oh, boy. <laughs> but 
Bad timing, <laughs> with guys. Lolita vibes. <laughs> um, and with the uh, the whole Weinstein thing going on right yeah. now, to have a producer who likes younger women, like yeah. I Ooh. now knowing Louis C.K., I have to imagine this movie is going to take a super dark turn. <laughs> if not, well, good luck to you. That's gonna, that's going to come and go real quick. Um, but uh, in a completely opposite realm of all reality of filmmaking, Coco, Pixar. I'm highly anticipating this film. Oh, man. It looks I, incredible. Yeah, this looks like like great Pixar. Yeah. Um, dealing with the, the Day of the Dead, the Land of the Dead, a little boy trans, uh, going into that realm. Um, it's a beautiful culture uh, and realm to, to, ex- to, to delve into. Yeah. Um, Guillermo del Toro had the, the Book of Life um, claymation stop motion that came out quite a few years ago mm. or you know five six years ago that's uh that, like deus deus muerte deus deus muerte is such deus deus muerte i'm so white um, <laughs> it's uh it's such a beautiful piece of of mexican culture and it's exciting to see pixar delve into that because yeah. i mean they make beautiful films now add that into that into that that was cool <laughs> it's great it's great uh, let's see, Darkest Hour. That's a Joe Wright film. It's a war movie. Uh, the Man Who Invented Christmas. <laughs> what? Uh, what was the movie you were you were uh, thinking we were gonna get to? Because oh, it was the Florida Project. Fun. But then again, I think it just came out, so it's fine. What's the Florida Project? It's about uh, a, a lonely guy played by Willem Dafoe who runs like a motel, and you know, you, it's mostly told through the perspective of a bunch of eight-year-olds kind of running around during a, like a lazy summer day mm-hmm. so it's like a coming of age story like in the vein of stand up stand by me but very it looks very sweet so not oh. as dark as stand by me all right cool yeah um that, that sounds really neat it's uh a24 oh, distributing it and, <laughs> and i believe it's it's there it's in talks to be a contender nice yeah. okay cool i'll have to, I'll have to take a look for that the disaster artists yeah i'm so looking forward to this so candace and i got to see the advanced screening of it mm-hmm. and it was incomplete they hadn't like finalized music and there's a little editing tweaks that weren't going to be there that still needed doing um and it's so it was so good so yeah i think we might have discussed it on the cast before but uh, are you you've seen the preview at the very least yes yay nay you excited i'm excited for it like i had no i actually had no idea what the room was for the longest time <laughs> like i knew people were saying like it's the worst film doesn't that but I, i'm not like i don't consider myself like uh, a nihilist where I, <laughs> I seek out bad movies and watch them yeah. but i did watch a few clips and it was just like i i can see the appeal and we're seeing the disaster artists and seeing how much they got that right and mm-hmm. authentically and it wasn't it didn't feel like an snl sketch yeah and it didn't feel like it was making fun of it either it's not yeah. yeah um I'm really fascinated by this film. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And, like, you know me, I'm not a Franco fan at all, mm-hmm. but it looks like it's putting on a good performance. They they bumped it up, to, or they bumped it later into the year yeah. to try to get into the awards contention. Yeah. Which, going into it to watch the screening, I was like, oh, this is just going to be an SNL skit for 90 minutes. It's going to be <laughs> making fun of it. But, no, there's a heart to it. And uh, for uh, being Franco's directorial debut, mm-hmm. um him and his brother are great and it's it's a great film all across the board it's just a big surprise yeah so i'm i'm curious to see how it does in its release i feel like it's gonna do all right okay just on the fact that it's the the room itself has a cult following the fact that seth rogan can bring people in um i I, I think there's a, a weird mix of audiences that could that could converge on the disaster artist and make it a, a really successful film yeah 
So I'm I'm really really interested to see how that that plays out. Um, <laughs> tear me apart, TC. <laughs> <laughs> the Shape of Water. Oh Speaking of Del Toro, I think this might be my number one on most anticipated this winter. Holy cow! Uh, Every time I see that trailer, I get incredibly moved. Yeah, it's uh, so. It now I I can't remember who I was talking to Del, about a Del Toro too, but I don't love Guillermo Del Toro. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's he's got a lot of hype for him, not a lot to to say for himself. Yeah. But Pan's Labyrinth is one of the greatest movies. Yeah. And this looks like that. <laughs> like yeah. it looks like in 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 the same caliber of a film. And yeah, just the just the preview alone is tears in the eyes like oh my god choked up like this mm. is this looks really really moving it's beautiful yeah. and uh, i hope may, maybe this just me like just what observing from afar because i don't really know what the inner workings of all these projects but it just feels like um if he has control of something like full control mm-hmm. i think that's when he really shines because like i like read some excerpts of his journals and like watching his interviews and how he speaks so passionately about film the man has a beautiful mind. He's a cinema, cinema savant, just like Jack Chan is in his own right. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to see more of this, more Pan's Labyrinth type stuff in that, like, Pacific Rim. And, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. It's Pacific Rim and, like, the first Hellboy, which feel very studio-y. And mm. when he's able to cut loose and you get something like Hellboy 2. <laughs> yeah. Right? When he's he's able to do his thing. Yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to see more of that caliber of, of filmmaking. I would love to have seen what his Hobbit would have been. Yes, because I, be, I I can only we don't even have to assume it would have been better than what we got. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so sad to say that. Obi. Uh, now, possibly the biggest movie of the year. I would imagine this is going to be the number one grossing movie of the year. Star Wars: The Last Jedi. That that small art house. Yeah, that, it's picture. a little it's a little little art house film. Star Wars. It's the little movie that could. Yep, yep. Uh, stars a. This up-and-comer, Mark Hamill. Maybe if we initially have a limited run, <laughs> see see how the test audiences feel. Now, you already have your tickets. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I saw, as soon as they went on sale, I saw everybody posting about getting their tickets, and I was like, I don't I don't typically like buying tickets in advance. I'll see it when I see it. Yeah. But I, I was thinking, like, oh, man, I better buy tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Fandango crashed, man. Oh, man. Fandango crashed. That's how intense it is. Yeah. I, I'm surprised. Honestly, I... I'm I'm surprised and not surprised. It's Star Wars. Star Wars is always going to be big, but I kind of thought Rogue One. I'm gesturing to the poster on the wall. I kind of <laughs> thought Rogue One might have hurt the credit of this new era of Star Wars just mm. a little bit. Um, I, I kind of feel a little anxious about uh, what's been going on with Solo, um, the Han Solo movie, mm. um, the Han Solo Solo movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't. I wasn't certain that the the desire for Last Jedi was going to be as rabid as it is, but proven wrong once again. Looks, I've only seen the first trailer, yeah. so I've I've much like with Thor, I've managed to avoid <laughs> too much. I don't know if I'm going to make it to December, but maybe I will. Um, I'm excited. It's Ryan Johnson, man. It's Ryan Johnson. <laughs> it's gonna. It's got to be. I'm really hoping it's radically different from all the other Star Wars ones we've got. I'm hoping so too. Yeah. That I I. I just please, I just don't want them to just rehash Empire Strikes Back. I don't want to see uh, uh, Ray lose a limb. I don't want to <laughs> see her get her arm chopped off. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to retread all the stuff again. I'm a defender of Force Awakens. I like Force Awakens quite a bit. Mm. 
boo-hoo. They, they, they did a lot of stuff that you're familiar with. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm hypocritical about because I just Because you just said it. <laughs> 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 Which one is it, TC? It's both. It can be both. <laughs> I want both, man. <laughs> I can have everything I want. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, Brian Johnson is one of those visionary directors. Uh, they offered him nine because they... They booted Trevorrow, thankfully. Um, and Ryan Johnson said, no, that's fine. You can have the script I wrote for Nine. Yeah. Um, I think it's this, We haven't talked about this. What do you think about J.J. coming on to come back for Nine? It's definitely safe. Um, just a familiar, familiar face, familiar working style. Yeah. I just hope that doesn't translate to the actual film because as much as I, I like Star Wars Awakens, like we always talk about J.J.'s like the ultimate blockbuster like kickstarter yeah like he, he kickstarts it and then hands off the keys to someone mm-hmm. else yeah and someone else can excel like brad bird in mission impossible coast protocol as opposed to mission impossible 3 um star, trek, star, beyond, trek. Yeah. star trek beyond yeah but then again i didn't realize star trek beyond i'm kind of coming down from it <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun it's yeah. the sequel we needed it's the sequel it <laughs> <laughs> but i don't know i'll reserve judgment i suppose to see, especially how this one goes Mm-hmm. Where the trajectory of these characters will go. If like, yeah, if there's some interesting things, and I want to see it continue. Then sure, JJ is definitely competent enough to handle the franchise. But I, I'm, what, which would, which are you more interested in, having answers to the mysteries they set up, mm. or having good answers to the mysteries they set up? Like, so what I'm saying is, raise parentage. Yeah, just give me the information. If I, if it's a Kenobi, if she's a Skywalker, like whatever. Like, yeah. just get it out of the way. I would rather have that information than dragging that out for another year of yeah. clues and hints and what's what. Like, I'm, I, I don't know. I don't. I'm not as compelled by the mystery of these characters. Yeah. Then I just want to see them go on their, their adventure. Right? Yeah. No, you're totally right. I, I would take the former. I would take, I would take good answers because, yeah. the mystery box of like all these. That's kind of the problem with having, having with all these reboots from like old popular franchises, mm-hmm. is they gotta have a mystery box element, like the whole, uh, the whole con fiasco with Into Darkness. Yeah. Yeah. Like that really took away from the development of that character. Mm-hmm. Like if they just straight up said this is con at the initially at the beginning, yeah, then we could have got more development instead of this whole like cat Reveal. and mouse game. Ooh, yeah. yeah, it wasn't even that satisfying. And I can guarantee you, if they have this like element to raise character it's not gonna be satisfying it's just like who cares like she's she's great on her own just keep developing her yeah, as is yeah. like i don't it, if anything it takes away from it i i would almost be more satisfied if it went the route of um w- without detail any further the route of blade runner 2049 yeah. in, in its reveal mm-hmm. right you know what i mean by that yeah where it's like oh hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like Aww. yeah uh um I'm I'm excited though. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do here. There's <sighs> it's Star Wars. <laughs> right? just, I don't know. This this seems bulletproof. There's just no way they can mess it up, right? Oh, now you just <laughs> jinxed it, Ben. Uh, well, speaking of bulletproof and no way to mess it up, Jumanji. Welcome to Jumanji. <laughs> <laughs> nice segue. <laughs> um, it's funny. Jake Hasden wrote this. Wrote Jake Hasden as in Lawrence Kasdan's son. son. Oh God. Wrote <laughs> Jumanji. Now. Uh, Jake Kasdan and Lawrence Kasdan wrote Han Solo. Yes, they did. Together. So, perhaps there there might be just a hint of what we can expect from him as in, in his skill as a screenwriter. Yeah. With seeing something like Jumanji. <laughs> Maybe. 
Just like I know that seems odd, but just yeah. like pulling back all the everything you can to like look just at like a screenplay structure yeah. perspective. I know Lawrence Kasdan's ability is responsible for some of the greatest movies of all time. Justin Raiders of the Lost Ark and Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. So his son, who you know, he's 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 not a young man, but he's he's just getting out there uh, in terms of big blockbusters like this. I'm curious to see. Uh, it's the and it's the Rock. I love the Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Like so bad, <laughs> <laughs> and I love OG Jumanji. Yeah. Um, let's see, Pitch Perfect three. Speaking of comedies that won't comedy sequels that aren't funny. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot that was coming out. I called Pitch Perfect two, didn't I? Yeah. I told you everything that was going to be wrong with that movie before it came out, and you lo and did. behold, I gotcha. And it went above and beyond <laughs> that. <laughs> um. I should say Jake Kasdan's an up-and-comer. He's been writing movies since the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe but, that kid will get a shot one day. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 we've actually discussed Jake Kasdan before because uh, Chad and I did the Orange County um, rewatch. Did you write that? The, he wrote Orange County. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Who directed uh, that? He directed it as well. Wow, really? <laughs> <laughs> so he has been around. Yeah, so he has been around. Um, now, see, now, this next movie I'm going to mention I'm very interested in because mm. it's the kind of sci-fi that I dig where it's sci-fi that has something to say. Yeah. But you're not going to like it because who stars in it? Downsizing. Starring Matt Damon. Uh, it does look very fascinating though. I like the concept. Yeah. And Alexander Payne. Yep. It's yeah. uh, it's Alexander Payne who wrote and directed it. Kristen Wiig's in it. Christoph Waltz. Uh, NPH. Baldwin. Sudeikis. Uh, Hong Chow. There's a great cast of people here and it's it's again it's the kind of science fiction that's not lasers and aliens it's (laughs) (laughs) my favorite genre (laughs) lna (laughs) i'm curious to see where that one goes it's because yeah pain is hit and miss for me he he has done some good stuff he has done some bad stuff and um yeah i agree i'm curious to see how that one that one plays out it's a interesting high concept uh (laughs) near future sci-fi uh, getting a limited theatrical run, but then going straight online. Bright, starring Will Smith. The Lord of the Rings meets Training Day. Written by that bastard <laughs> Max Landis. <laughs> <laughs> what was I? Oh, um, there's a new. Sh- there's a show that's on the BBC. I think it's in its second season now. Um, uh, Holistic Detective. Mm. Uh, oh god, I just completely blanked on it. Um, and it's a BBC show, Elijah Wood stars in it, and it started, like, they did the cold open, I'm like, this looks, this is neat, it's like a rated R Doctor Who, it's, it's <laughs> really, really fascinating, and then the credits are coming up, and it's based on Philip K. Dick's work, mm-hmm. or, I'm sorry, Douglas Adams, so Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy fame, I'm like, cool, uh, uh, series created by Max Landis. No! <laughs> uh, and then I, then I had it like, oh. Dirk, Dirk Gently, Holistic Detective, is the name of the show. Okay. And I was like, mm, I wish I hadn't seen that. Because <laughs> I'm going to have feelings now because Max Landis is such a personality. He is. That's <laughs> that's the nicest way to put it. And you know what? <laughs> He's not good. <laughs> not when you, I'll I mean, say it. I'll throw down the gauntlet. Okay, we'll ruin my career. <laughs> Chronicle's good. Man, that's such a lightning in a bottle. Because, like, <laughs> the hell's Trank doing now because <laughs> like I don't know that is he is the epitome of nepotism yeah I I don't know I how what are the other movies that he, he's done uh, American um, Ultra which, American uh, Ultra Jesse Eisenberg which bombed yeah. um, uh, he uh, 
Oh, shoot, he did another really crappy movie that came out this year. <laughs> Oh, it was Ike Frankenstein. Yep, that's it. Sexy Frankenstein. Sexy Frankenstein. Um, <laughs> uh, that wasn't Ike Frankenstein. It was um, uh, Victor Frankenstein. Or it was the one with uh, Daniel Radcliffe. The, the one that just came out. The, the, the It was the Frankenstein movie, but not... Did he write Sexy Thomas Jane? Or not Thomas Jane, Aaron Eckhart? Aaron Eckhart, yeah. He wrote that he wrote Sexy that one. Frankenstein? Yeah, I think that was his Frankenstein movie. No, because he also did the, the one with um, Professor Xavier and Harry Potter. They were in a movie together? Yeah. What? The Victor Frankenstein. Uh, you don't remember that? It was a Frankenstein movie? Yes. What? That sounds insane. It sounds uh, like you're making this up. Dan Radcliffe <laughs> played Igor. What? Yes. <laughs> what? This is a real movie? It came out this year. This sounds like fan casting, TC. I'm totally, <laughs> I'm totally telling you the truth. <laughs> the year ends with our Christmas releases. The, um, uh, the Greatest Showman, which is the... Uh, Hugh Jackman. Yep, uh, the um, and Zac Efron's and Rebecca Zac Efron, uh, Rebecca Ferguson, Michelle Williams. Interesting um, cast. Yep, um, and it's about the uh, Barn, um, Ringling Brothers, Barnum Bailey, the mm. greatest show owner. Uh, Molly's Game, which is Aaron Sorkin's directing and writing, starring Jessica Chastain, Idris Elba, Kevin Costner, uh, Michael Sarah. What? <laughs> that does not look good. Do you uh, see the trailer? For no, that? I have not. And finally, Phantom Thread, which is P.T. Anderson's Paul Thomas Anderson's. Daniel Day Lewis. Last film. Yep. His last film. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> so I I all in all, I mean though we just babbled through all the all the movies coming out. Mm. Still aside from a few like rare exceptions like Star being excited about Star Wars. Yeah. I don't know. Two thousand seventeen sucks, man. It seems like at least the prestige season seems very lackluster. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I forgot to mention Spielberg has a movie coming out <laughs> called The Post starring uh, uh, Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks. <laughs> what, the, what the hell's The Post? <laughs> Man, that's crazy. Man, Spielberg doesn't even need a hit anymore. He, should, yeah. he can just make whatever. It's uh, the brave journalists of the New York Times and Washington Post, Post who declassified the Pentagon Papers about the Vietnam War. Um, produced by... <laughs> Your dad's favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> produced by Amy Pascal. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a cover-up that spanned the U.S. president's push the country's first female newspaper publisher, of course played by Meryl Streep, so <laughs> Oscar nom, probably. <laughs> I'm going to look up that Max Landis movie to prove I'm not making it up. <laughs> <laughs> so all in all, that's that's the rest of the year. I mean, of those films that we we just bail out. I mean, what are you? What are is Star Wars the one you're looking the most forward to? Star Wars, Shape of Water, and Coco. And Coco, top three. Yeah, I think that's what I'm looking forward to as well. And it's just it's just interesting that this whole, this year as a whole, what I think we talked about this off mic. What's affecting the box office? What is affecting our the the movie going audiences. This has been one of the worst years in cinematic history in the past fifteen seventeen years. It's yeah. the lowest box office return that the summer's ever had. Yeah. What's what is happening? Is it the state of the world that is affecting people's desire to go to the movies? Is it the quality of things like Netflix and Amazon and the the home media yeah. that's enhancing things? What do you feel is affecting is it just my age? Like <laughs> <laughs> I do because, I mean, we, we've talked about it uh, a few seasons ago on this cast about the advancements of tech and the readily accessibility of streaming and how home entertainment is so immersive now that you don't really have, or you don't have, you're not compelled to go to the theater as frequently anymore, mm-hmm. especially with the prices so high. 
Um, I do, I do think that on top of like, just how studios operate now, or have always been, they kind of operate in this dinosaur model where it's very reactionary mm -hmm. and very trend following instead of trend setting. And so like, I think, you know, that has, that has helped them throughout the decades, but it has hurt them now because the game has changed and the way we make movies have changed. It's changed so much to where like, we're only getting temple films. There's no middle budget films anymore. Yeah, we've talked about that before. Yeah, like, give, giving it, taking, taking the entire reshoot budget of a Justice League movie and giving it to a to someone like who, like like a Jordan Peele who can make a Get Out for yeah. pennies mm -hmm. to the dollar. And that's the movie that people that people still talk about. That's the movie that's still getting attention months after it's been out of theaters. Yeah, that came out in February. Yeah, and and the temple movies continue to. Like it's it's we've reached max capacity. Yeah, and it's it's even becoming harder for Marvel to to top the year. Yeah, to have Spider Man and Guardians of the Galaxy in the top ten is amazing, but to to be coming under just ever so slightly less and less than the movies before. It, it's it's another thing I said off Mike. When when is the sixth season of a TV series been its best season? Right? Yeah, <laughs> and in the grand scheme of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It is being given to us in episodic nature, like a TV series. We're in the later seasons now, yeah. or at least in season four. <laughs> there's just there's a lost magic, magical quality in anticipating a film. Mm -hmm. Like usually, it used it, before it used to be far in between, and then you really get excited for it. Like I remember the summer of '08, where it was just Iron Man and Dark Knight. So like, those were like the two yeah, biggest yeah. films, and you waited for it, and then you got it, and it was very satisfying. Now every month it feels like there's a, that type of film, and so it's just like, what are you really anticipating? You can't anymore? breathe. Yeah, there's no there's no breathing room. There's no like there's no film that kind of like came, comes out of nowhere anymore, mm -hmm. except for Get Out. That I can't really think of a film within the last few years that just came out of nowhere and blew the doors off everybody and was like a contender for awards and was like a blockbuster hit, critical success. Yeah, everything that comes out you're bombarded with information about yeah. it. Every website has an ad popping up for the bus, bus sides and, and movie trailers and TV spots. And it's, and it's the, <laughs> I, maybe it's this on a subconscious level. It's a, uh, you're trying too hard, Hollywood. Come on, you know, be coy about it. You know, make me want you. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's like, like me, like me. Come on, like me, like me, please, like me. Come on, come on. You like me, like me. I, I think that's the mo of every Spider-Man marketing campaign ever. Yeah. <laughs> please like me. Please, please, It's it's been a, it's not looking great. Yeah, for it, our industry. <laughs> And and uh, and I I think maybe that our feelings here and uh, this is me just spitballing and thinking of it now might require an evolution of how we even do a show like this. Yeah. Because everyone's got their two cents to throw in about movie reviews now. Even going so far as like we're reviewing old things, you know, maybe it's not. It's, we've been doing this for over five years now. Yeah. And there, there could be an evolution in how we even do a show like this and what we're discussing. And we've, we've, we've been to every facet of how we could talk about films over the past five years. And I, I, some of my favorite ones are when we dissect a movie, like a, um, do the right thing was mm -hmm. one of my favorite episodes we'd ever done because we, we broke it apart to more than just who's in it and the structure of it, and the we talk more about the effect of it on us and on. The repercussions or the juxtaposition of of its themes in society. Uh, our our list episodes are always fun because we we break down films on a more personal level. Yeah. And uh, you know it's 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 less interesting to me to see what people have to say about 
film, and I, I don't mean us, I just mean like movie reviews in general, because it really is, is it the best movie ever or the worst movie ever? There is no middle. Make a choice. <laughs> Can I like Rogue One and still think it's kind of clunky in parts? Yeah. yeah. No, you you have to like it or love, love it or hate it. You mm-hmm. cannot pick one. Can I like Force Awakens and still see its fallacies? Nope, nope. You have to love it or hate it. You, are you Marvel or DC? Like, well... I mean, well, clearly I'm Marvel, but... (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's neither here nor there. (laughs) So, well, anyway, I think that's a good wrap-up of the episode here before we, uh, we, before you send yourself off uh, leaving on a jet plane for a a bit of a spell, right? Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just came back from a two-month trip, and you're about to leave on a two-month trip, so... We're never going to see each other again, TZ! Um, but uh, do you want to plug anything before we wrap up here? Man, I haven't made it. I've been very disappointed in myself for in 2017 because I haven't made as much as I'd like to. Yeah, that's but right. But you can still follow Bama No Name Films on Facebook and on YouTube and watch the old classics. The classics, <laughs> the, cla- the, the, the old uh, T- TCM cl- Turner Classic Movies. Yeah. Turner Classic Movies. The Toe Classic Movies. Toe Classic. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, you can always check out um, a slew of stuff available through uh, Redacted Media if you want to check out some of the short films we have. We have a new one that's coming out soon. We filmed it in August, and we have yet to release it. Um, we're uh, doing some post-production on it, so prepare for that eventually, uh, depending when you listen to this. It might even be available now. Uh, if you want to check out me talking a little less of length, <laughs> <laughs> I do a weekly podcast on Disney movies with Jeff Bell over at ghosthat.net so you can check us out on facebook.com slash top shelf pod um, or you might be listening to this right now on ghost hat because ghost hat is very lovely uh, and willing to let us host the rewatchmen they are our overlords <laughs> they are our overlords <laughs> um, but yeah so you can follow me on twitter and instagram at tc's big head ben's available on twitter and instagram at benji toes yeah and uh, I think that about does it, Ben. That does it. All right. Thanks for chatting. Woo! Cool. Uh, well, that's it. Uh, I'm TC. This has been across from me. We've got Candace across the room over there. To all the rewatchmen everywhere, I say, keep doing what you're doing. We'll see you next time. Yeah. Boom. I was wrong. 2015. Be forevermore